0: Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, for not to disclose, back to the Undressing Underground podcast. The podcast with a completely meaningless title that nobody has called me out on yet, so I'm calling myself out on it in today's bonus episode. Today will not be me talking to some weirdo that I find interesting. Today will be some other weirdo talking to two other weirdos. Uh, it is Gawker commenter Kittens and Unicorns something or other. I don't know what the rest of her name is on there talking to Gravy Sauce and Jerry Netherlands about what the fuck is going on at Gawker right now. Um, I'm sure they explain it. If this is your first time listening, uh, I don't know what I'm talking about ever. These first few minutes are always me trying to remember what it is I'm supposed to be doing and who I talk to. But uh, since there's going to be no outro this time, we're just going to go straight into the uh, Kim's and Unicorns and me talking and then straight into her round table sort of thing. I will say at the front of this... Please subscribe on iTunes or what have you. I'm also on Stitcher now. The podcast you're listening to is called Undressing Underground. So you can go on Stitcher or iTunes or what have you and search for it and find it. Also, feel free to send me guest suggestions or suggest yourself. That's how this came about. Kinsey Unicorns told me to do more Cocker Commenters. So I told her to do it herself and she did. So, send so me whatever you got, even if it's just yourself. I'd like to hear from whoever about whatever. This is going nowhere fast. So let me also say that normally on the normal shows I try and do a short story or poem or song or whatever from some from a listener at the end or non-listener, I don't care. So if you have any of that, feel free to send it to me on email at rob at undressingunderground.com on Twitter at Falconvane. Falcon like the bird. Vein like the blue thing's sticking on my arms because I have no skin. It's just translucent. And uh, or else you can call and leave a voicemail at 260-PUNK-POD and as usual, I have no idea what numbers those are. So just look at your phone and look for the letters PUNK-POD Anyway here's Kinsey-Nicorns and me God, I cannot speak. I'm sorry. She speaks much better than me, so let's just get to it.
1: Oh, I tried to listen to mine, and, and like, I was like, okay, let's. I'm going to listen to be objective, and then after three seconds, I was like, ah! <laughs> cringe. <laughs> I was like, pause, like, I can't. Like, well, I'm going to just listen. Like, I already know what I said.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's it takes a lot of getting used to. <laughs> Especially when you're mean, you, like, stutter and shit all the time. <laughs> Oh, man. All my words.
1: Okay. All right. So what should I say? Are we just going to... Okay, I'm going to do it this way without the headphones on.
0: Okay. You sound all right, so...
1: Oh, I have to press record as well. So when should we start?
0: I'm already recording, so whenever you're ready.
1: Hello. So I guess I'm ready now.
0: Okay. So are you going by kittens kittens and unicorns for this? Yes. Okay. And uh, do you want to be the one to explain what's going on? <laughs> um. No. No. <laughs> <Well. laughs> All right. Well, uh, you had approached me numerous times about interviewing more Gawker commenters. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. <laughs> Maybe I do want
1: to. Let me. Let me explain that. <laughs> um. How I remember it is. Rob said he wanted to start up the Gawker interview segment of his podcast again.
0: After you asked me multiple times to do more (laughs) Gawker covers.
1: After I suggested once and then backed off. And then was super excited when he told me he was going to start again. Um, Sure. (laughs) um, He asked me if I wanted to do it and I said yes. That's how I remember it. And, okay, uh, okay, we need to start over. This is so bad already. Oh, no,
0: I'm using all of this. (laughs) But so, right when we were going to start doing that, right when you were going to start interviewing people, like, I forget if it was that day or the next day that, like, all shit went down on Cocker.
1: No, I know. It was really... All I could think about was me. (laughs) Like, what about me? I'm just, like, I've been emailing people. But I think it's really worked out to have been able to talk to a gravy and jerry
0: yeah yeah what's jerry what are their full names on there
1: oh it's gravy sauce and jerry netherlands
0: netherlands i only think it's neanderthal for some reason i don't know why oh oh no now i think i have to check but i'm pretty sure it's netherlands Ooh. you're probably right did he say it when you talked to him um oh, with i think so
1: i think so uh, I think it was good. We finally got it. Like, I, this is what I didn't get to say with them is that I feel like there have been already a lot of articles on Salon and Slate, The Times, LA Times, where the Daily Beast covering the story, and really no one has covered it from like the Gawker commenter perspective. And I feel since we are always there, I'm always there.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, we kind of know. I just feel like we have a little bit more say, but we also have a There's a different angle to be approached. Some of us really do care and would like the commentary to commentary to stay with or without this
0: podcast, you know? Yeah. I mean, and one of the things with Gawker and Kinja is that Nick Denton's always making a huge deal about the commentariat being a part of the process now, so why not? You know
1: what they say that and then it's like, did they not like when the, when Denton's post went up explaining his Mo, um, there was a lot of a lot of people were like, "Yeah, that's really brave what you said," but you sure didn't, you know, you didn't talk about the like, you know, the damage you've inflicted on a potentially innocent person. I guess. Yeah, <laughs> um, uh, I forget.
0: Yeah, that's fine.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> All right. Well, we could just move on. Um, is there anything else you need to say about the? I guess we're calling it a roundtable. table. I don't know if that's what it really is or not, but your discussion with uh, Jerry and Gravy.
1: Um, like add more? I mean, we just talked about, I think when we tried to go over the timeline of events, like I tried to ask them um, things, I guess other people haven't covered or just their thoughts on like, you know, I mean, you'll get to hear it. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs>
0: That's good enough, probably. So I guess we can just throw it to you with them now. Good thing.
1: Hello, you guys. This is Kittens and Unicorns. I'm here. With two amazing Gawker commenters, Gravy Sauce. Say hello, Gravy Hi, everybody. This is Gravy Sauce. And I have Jerry Netherlands.
2: Uh, this is Jerry Netherlands.
1: And we are here to, to have a roundtable discussion to, to discuss what has happened on Gawker since Friday, starting with Jordan Sargent's article, Max Reed's departure, Nick Denton's post take being taken down, uh... I mean, he's taken the post down, Adam Weinstein, et cetera. So I guess we should begin. So, uh, Grayby, I guess I'll start with you, Gray B. Okay. Did you, so did you read Jordan's article, and what did you think? Like, did you think it was a story in any sense? Uh,
3: I got to the story a little later than everybody else. Um, my first interaction with the story, I think it had been up Uh, I think it went up like on four o'clock on that Thursday and Friday morning. I went to Clash Talk and uh, I saw that people were talking about it there. So I kind of backtracked and found what everybody was talking about. And I read the article thinking, certainly I'm going to get to the point of this sooner or later. (laughs) It's something's gonna. There's gonna be some reason, you know. It's gonna be clear sooner or later why this was written. Mm-hmm. And I was a bit flabbergasted to get to the end of the article and find out that the punchline was that Gawker was doing the dirty work of a blackmailer. Right. Uh, yeah. That was my. Yeah. That was my reaction.
1: Were you outraged?
3: I wasn't. I don't necessarily know that I was outraged. Um, I'd say that I was disappointed. Um, I think of Gawker, I think, you know, one of the reasons that I enjoy Gawker so much is because um, the political and, um, you know, human points of view. I think I share that along, uh, uh, with a lot of the writers there. That's why I enjoy going there. You know, I'm not going to, I'm not the kind of person that would go and uh, visit Breitbart because I like to argue with conservatives. I'd rather, you know, spend my day, um, you know, debating with people who are who are more liberal and that tends, you know, that tends to be who's one gawker and um, not just liberal, but, you know, all, you know, likes the same kinds of things that I do and that kind of thing. But um I, I was really just surprised, you know. They Gawker has this. Uh, they they seem to have a, a core of human decency when it comes to a lot of their posts, like the the one that they um, they they took uh, the New York Post task last week about following a homeless man around and doing articles about him because he was. You know, peeing and pooping and, and in public, you know. Right. So, you know, I, the same you know standards that that Gawker says that they use for uh, posting articles, um, salacious articles, is also true in that sense. In the in the New York Post article, this you know it, this was a true story. This was, I mean, it's even more of a public human interest kind of a story than, than the Geithner story was to an extent. I mean, or the, the argument can be made at least because that's a, a public nuisance. It's a public health problem to have people using the bathroom outside. So, you know, that, I mean, that would be the, the New York Post um, argument for it. But, you know, the sentiment from Gaw- Gawker is one that I share. You don't follow a, a person who's helpless around and, you know, and post his picture on the front page, you know?
1: Oh, uh, I, I get just, it. Yeah. You I think you right know, now I'm, I'm not sure, actually, what Gawker's ethos is, or so I, maybe I don't know. But, Jerry, yeah. uh, yeah. how about you? Like, did you think it was a story at all?
2: I, uh, I read it just about the moment it went up, mm-hmm. and as I was reading through it, and it was really quite long because it had all those texts, you know, or, um, graphics. Right. And as I'm reading through it, much like Raby, I, I kind of felt, where is this going and what is being exposed here? And from the very beginning, when they established whom they were speaking about, I thought, well, this is not a public figure. This is sort of public figure adjacent, and mm-hmm. therefore, just to begin with, it was just leaving a bad taste in my mouth. Um, and once it got to the, to the, the denouement at the end, where it seemed that they were in fact, just facilitating the grifter, uh, I, I found myself just filled with outrage. Now I, uh, as a middle-aged gay man, Um, have a sense about outing, you know, and it's informed by the many years when it was really a public, a political act, a positive thing to out yourself, which was never an issue for me because I came out of the womb out, (laughs) but anyway, um, what. when it is done um and walker certainly done this um in a situation like the, the the Larry Craig or the the guy with the rental boy in the Miami airport one you know a political person who has worked against the interests of gay people then it's exposing hypocrisy amongst the powerful
1: right
2: when it's done um and this I'm a little shakier on, but on famous people who have gone out of their way to live a lie and then get caught in the lie. And that would, you know, mostly be celebrities or whatever. I I, I find that a little distasteful if they haven't really done anything, you know, out and out mean towards the gay community, except you know, that they sort of concealed who they are for their own wealth enhancement, if you will. Um,
1: Jerry, can I see a quick it, Then I'm kind
2: of wishy-washy on it, but this I, I think was not correct, yes.
1: I'm sorry. My question was, do you think that if the porn star had not been gay, do you think it would have been a story at all? Or would Garker have published it if it wasn't a gay porn star?
2: I honestly don't think that the whole, the, the big picture story um, was motivated by the sexuality angle. I think, frankly, that Gawker had been on this um, almost daily campaign to find some nugget to knock Reddit on. Now, I haven't read Reddit in about eight years because I thought it was a mess of a site then, and I just, you know, just was not interested. So when they started, you know, hammering away at Reddit each day, and then they finally found, you know, somebody at Condé Nast, which has a, a major interest in Reddit, and I felt that that was probably what motivated them. So no, I answer to your question. I don't think that it would have mattered if it was a woman porn star grifter or a male porn star grifter and the damage would have been the same to uh the person who was the subject would you agree
1: are you asking me
3: gravy gravy Gravy, would you agree i have i really don't know what the what the news value is i i think Part of it may be the fact that the name Geithner was there. You know, that's a, you know, there's a certain amount of um, uh, anger at Geithner, at Tim Geithner Mm -hmm. for not being more aggressive (laughs) with uh, banks during the the recovery after their session. So, you know, I wonder if
2: that that, that doesn't, doesn't, I'm sorry.
3: No, I'm just wondering if maybe Doesn't that the, has something to do with it. Just to have, you know, this is.
2: You know, I think it had I, more to do with the fact. I think it had more to do with his position at Conde Nast than his, um, you know, politics adjacent status.
3: I, yeah. I think my, my my ultimately, I don't. I I really I don't know what what the answer to that that question is. I mean, on the very next day. The um, Ashley Madison. Yeah. I mean, that, they didn't. I don't think Gawker even covered that. So <laughs> I don't know what what the what they saw as being the value in that. Whether it was the gay porn, I I think maybe the gay porn star angle had a little bit of. I mean, because that is
1: you know kind of a
3: a little
2: extra-salacious
1: yeah, I think it's a little more salacious yeah. in our culture today. Yeah. Did you guys see Max's tweet? Mm-hmm. I mean, before he, I mean, I heard of this Jordan's article because I got a tweet from Max Reed, who I don't think he tweets out every single story that goes out on Gawker. So this one, especially, I felt he wanted to promote it more. Um, And then he doubled down on that tweet, something essentially like, yes, Gawker will always report on C-suite executives that cheat on their wives. Did you guys see right. that? Yes, I saw that one.
2: Yikes. Yeah. Well, I think if Gawker always reported on C suite exec- executives that cheated on their wives, there'd be nothing else on Gawker. So that's a little <laughs> disingenuous.
1: Um switching topics real not topics, but to on to Nick Denton. Um you guys I'm sure you guys have read his like his statements and stuff, but for the gist from what I got from a lot of his stuff was that he – believes that everybody at Gawker had been working towards an ethos he no longer believes in, which before it was, you know, that if it's true, we publish, I guess. And what I noticed is what, I mean, I didn't really think that he said anything about exactly how the ethos has changed. I mean, did you guys, what, what were your thoughts on the May dancing I? piece? Jerry?
2: May I? Yeah. Yes, yes, of course. Um I think that that was corroborated by Adam Weinstein's Tumblr uh, post that next day. Um, and what, what I gleaned from that was that in the last seven or eight months, uh, the editorial staff was trying to take things to a lighter, more gossipy, snarky place And away from where they had been moving, which was towards a a better balance of hard news, breaking news, um, mixed with celebrity gossip and um, the, you know, the antics of the rich and famous. And that the balance was being disrupted and that the the, the site itself was growing in a direction that had more of the serious journalism. And um, I posted a piece today called Taking It Off and Growing Up, and that was specifically taking all of these things into consideration. And I thought that Denton did the correct thing, but it really does stand to be seen what they do next. Wait,
1: Jerry, really quick. Do you think – I noticed in – I think in Nick Denton's piece – he, I don't think he ever apologized or said sorry for uh causing damage to that TFO's life. Um, but so, but I overall I agreed with a lot of his message. But that was it, did it suffice
2: for you? I I think that his message was really. Um, he, he was kind trying to be very delicate and keep the cards close to the vest mm-hmm. and explain that it, he found himself having to make a business decision which particularly in light of the fact that they're still fighting the Hogan um, mess um it really came down to business the adult in the room having to step in and pull the pull the thing down to save everyone. So whether whether editorial liked it or not, um, if it was a question of a few heads rolling versus the whole place shutting down, that was what he had to weigh. That that was my take from what Denton was saying.
1: How about you, Gravy?
2: Thoughts uh, on the not- Denton piece?
3: Yeah, I I don't think he ever really got around to apologizing to Geithner. I don't. I mean, I guess that, that really wasn't the purpose of, of his uh, posting anyway. I think it was just to explain his position. But um, I think, um, I think that he just. I, I I imagine that that over the course of what was it? Four days: Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. He had a few come to Jesus moments in trying to work through this issue. With you know, he had Max Reed and and um, and Craig's Craig. Tommy Craig yeah. um, uh, threatening to leave, or th- at that time threatening to leave, and. I think I, I, the sense I got from it was that he was kind of just coming to realize that where he thought the business was going was not the direction that it was going.
1: And you mean in terms of the, the loss mm-hmm. of advertising?
3: Well, not no, not the loss of advertising, but the you know what, like you said, the 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 ethos, the the, um, the
2: editorial the balance, sh-
3: the balance, the the values that they share, mm-hmm. and like I think Jer- Jerry mentioned it before. You know, over the years, they've been saying that they wanted to do more sub- substantive pieces, more real news. And I don't know. It, it seems like they 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 do that in fits and starts. And I think that he thought that everybody was still going in that direction, even if they were just writing gossip pieces. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. that they were, you know, still trying to become a, a real news or- organization. And maybe he just, I think he kind of realized that. He had not been doing enough uh, care and feeding of the organization itself, and communicating values and where direction and that kind of thing. That's that's the sense I'm I'm getting. You know, he, I actually, I I've given Denton grief. You know,
1: on on Kenja. Oh, I saw uh, your comment. It was really good.
3: Yeah, I mean, I've uh, a, a lot of. Uh, over the years, I mean, just about the way he treated uh, the commenting system and what he said in other uh, media about commenters and commenting. And I think that this is really the first time that – I actually respected something that he said because he took the the bulk of the responsibility. Hmm,
1: yeah. He didn't
3: blame anyone. He this was not he didn't fire Tommy or Max or Jordan or threaten to as far as I know. And I don't know he what said, to
2: believe anymore.
3: <laughs> I don't think well Well I, they I better...
2: they they claimed yesterday that they resigned.
3: Yeah. Yeah, they said that they resigned and JK Uh, Trotter had a um, he tweeted that um, that Denton had spent the weekend begging Mac and Tommy to stay. So, I, you know, I think this is all like just hitting the fan for him, you know, just kind of he's realizing that he hasn't done his job. And that's why he didn't he blamed himself. He didn't blame anybody else. He sent Jordan an email specifically saying, "This isn't your fault, this isn't about you." and said that they need to write down some, you know some ethical guidelines, which I thought was, you know sounded great. And I, I think that for me, that I, to go to another topic altogether, that just made the, the resignation of Tommy and Max all the more confusing. When your boss says, "It's all my fault, you know, I'm not blaming anybody else. Mm -hmm. You agree with him. (laughs) Let him take the weight and then use that as leverage to get what you need. But I guess they didn't see it that way.
1: I as much. I like Max Reed a lot. I mean, I don't even think he's going to hear this, but uh, I just, Oh, I don't know. I didn't, I wasn't, I wasn't really loving his double down tweet. Wow. And I kind of felt like I don't know, I can't help but feel a little bit like his departure or his resignation based on, like, you know, editorial principle or intervention, slightly distances. I mean, it does take away from the original story that was Jordan posted an article. you know my my
2: my sense about that. and I think i I posted this somewhere along the way, and it seems like the last five days have been five hundred. But um, I felt like Reed and Craggs were, t- were sitting on the wrong high horse to make their statement. In other words, if, if they had had interference on something that wasn't a, a, such a, a dubious story to begin with, then sure, you stand up for your editorial you know, integrity. But on a story that was so questionable and so potentially damaging to the whole enterprise, I just felt like they sort of took the wrong story to ride out on. Does that make sense?
1: No, I, I totally know what you mean. Um, I'm sorry. What was the question? (laughs) Are you going to say
3: something Um, about dying on a hill? About what? I, 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 was,
2: I was saying that 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 I thought that Reed and Craggs picked the wrong high horse to ride out on, yeah. because it was such a dubious story to hang their ethical standards on. No, and That's if Denton had tried to interfere with something that was not quite such a unpleasant uh, bit of business, then sure they could have stood up and stuck around, or they could have left and and said, you know in a huff. Well, we're we're standing by our, our ethical standards. They picked the wrong story to do that with. And this is where, frankly, the importance of the commentariat comes in. And I'm sure that's something you wanted to discuss separately.
1: Absolutely. No, I, we can always talk about the commentariat.
2: Well, my feeling was that I don't remember in all the years I've been around stalker, uh, a single time when thousands, thousands uh, jumped in, people who do not normally agree with each other on anything, they don't agree with each other on the color of the sky, but they all agreed that that piece was a disgrace.
1: I'm going to say even JBRH um, now, th- thought it was disgusting. And
2: yes. Was. Yes. And... There, there were there were even people who are gen, generally um, very uh, right wing and sort of not in sync with much of the Gawker uh, crowd, um, and they went no this this doesn't this is wrong. They saw it too, and I think that Denton surely must have been to some degree as nervous about losing that many thousand readers as he was about potentially losing advertising. Because those two things go hand in hand. If you suddenly turn off thousands of readers who are loyal, I mean, those of us who've been, you know, commenting every day for years on end, that's your bread and butter, baby.
1: I feel like those people who are commenting every day, though, aren't going to flounce. And I guess, do you guys think there's going to be a slow and mess somewhere else of the comment section?
3: I don't necessarily think the the, uh, the the regular commenters will leave. I I really do think it was more about the advertising. Um, you know, advertisers will go if they don't think that you know if they don't just don't want to be associated with a brand they just you know they don't need a, a um you know they it, it's not always about the numbers um and it's
1: you know i mean it's not just advertising i think he actually does care about gawker's like reputation whatever that is the
3: reputation.
1: their reputation well, definitely.
3: They- and he mentioned that the fact that they hurt a family. You know, I'm, I hope that that also got through to to Denton. It didn't seem to register at all with Max and Tommy, though, that, you know, this isn't really this isn't solely about Gawker editing uh, freedom. It's also about a family that's now been thrown suddenly in crisis. In front of the entire world, and they hadn't—you know—this family hadn't hurt anybody
2: before that. And I, you know, somebody somebody used the metaphor of this is why a high school newspaper has a faculty um, right. a <laughs> faculty member over- overseeing it, and this is—you know—a reference I made uh, in in my piece. Today was that Danton has grown into the adult in the room. I mean, I think when he started out 12 years ago, he, you know, he was young and kind of having fun with it and being the, the sort of slightly more upscale Paris Hilton. But <laughs> now it's that. That's not what Gawker is. And that's not, certainly not with all of the, the you know, affiliated uh, sites. And so he had to be the adult.
1: True, I guess. I mean, I don't. I'm not that emotionally involved, but I did think that I just didn't think it was very clear what Denton stated as to like what their ethos is now. He's mentioned several times that what they their or, original mission began with isn't that, but he wasn't very didn't go into very very many specifics as to like sp- like what are there any ethical boundaries they'll follow? Like, what's a story? Mm. Well,
2: but you you I mean, point to, you point. To, you pointed something out, though, just before you, you said he he's seeking to create a manual that establishes them more clearly. So I think you hit the nail on the head there. Mm-hmm.
3: Right. I don't think it maybe really it doesn't
2: quite.
1: Scraby, what's that? I
3: don't think, yeah, I don't think it really exists now. I'm hoping that they are, you know, they're they're laying the groundwork to create something like that. And that's that's almost. That's also why you know another reason why I think it was short sighted of Max and Tommy to leave so suddenly because they aren't going to be a part of creating that next uh, that to of creating that ethical uh, policy. And I, you know, I just I feel like I yeah. I, I one thing that that really struck me about this whole thing with the flounce of, of Max and Tommy is that they didn't have another remedy other than leaving the post up. There was no, you know, they didn't say we'll write an apology post. They didn't say we'll, you know, they didn't, there was no remedy that they suggested as far as I know to fix this huge debacle, this, this crisis that they created. Mm -hmm. You know, they, they their feelings got hurt, and that was it. You know, no nope, everybody else's uh, the consequences for everybody else be damned. So I I think that's why I just didn't. You know, I I don't really take their their resignation. You know, I I can't see it as a as a tragedy. You know, the <laughs> the their coworkers really feel like they've lost something huge, but I just. I, I don't know what 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 it was supposed to accomplish. They don't have a remedy.
1: They they didn't have a did, there was no remedy except taking the post down.
3: That that was the only remedy that 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 was could even be contemplated. I mean, it's too late, obviously, but that's the only thing that they had open to them, and and that I could see, and um, they didn't even want to do that. So,
1: Gravy, if they had kept the post up. Because yeah. some of the, I, I think I saw some of the writers um, say that an option would have been to keep the post up, Jordan's post up, so that it can create discussion. Uh-huh. <laughs> do, you think it was worth, do you think that would have happened? <laughs> I mean, Jerry, you're laughing. I mean, we took the post <laughs> down. Because it created G- so much discussion. A lot of discussion.
3: There's been so much discussion. I mean, you don't need so that much. That's, Everybody remembers what it was about.
1: That's such a fair point.
2: And each subsequent post that was related to it created even more. I mean, it was just a pile on. And they're, the best thing they can do is anything that puts this behind them and moves the world on. Now, they've got some big you know, issues to deal with, obviously in-house and in, in personnel and possibly legal um, and how they do that, you know, whether some kind of public apology to Geithner and, and, and try and get at, you know, make some settlement and get, get that past them. But the, the site itself and for the world of the people, the discussion, the commentariat, um, for it to su- survive, they must move on. They must get on to other subjects and keep people talking about anything else.
1: I agree with everything you said, but I think they should continue to post a little bit better quality stories. Sorry to any Kakao writers who might be reading this, but please, I do feel like it's it used to be like sixty-five, thirty-five in terms of like politics, real news, and like celebrity bullshit. But I kind of feel like it's taken a little bit more of a celebrity bullshit route compared to like real news. So I don't
3: even know if if they do celebrity bullshit
1: stuff anymore.
3: <laughs> I don't either, you know. I, I don't feel like I read that much about celebrities on Gawker. You don't even we don't have blind items. We don't have anything. That's just, it's,
2: it's. No, bl- <laughs> I know the blind items. I missed those. <laughs> too. I
1: don't know why they won't do the JK. Like, tried to do a post on Fridays, like a gossip post, but I don't know what happened.
3: Yeah. I mean, it's
1: basically. Well, it,
2: it's falling into the.
1: Hold on. Wait, Graby, uh, Graby, can you go ahead and then I'll go get to you, Jerry.
3: Yeah, I, I was just saying that, you know, the post, it's, you know, what the Florida man did and what, you know, who got attacked by a shark and, you know, the 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 uh, kind of weird, you know, the oddball kinds of posts we get more so than than even celebrity gossip. That's
1: true. I mean, I like those weird internet posts too, though. I just. It has... I like them. I just like the mix of them. Me too. You
3: know, even. You know, I, I, I think that. Oh yes, no. Real Sorry. quick, I was just going to say that Jezebel does their daily gossip roundup, and it, you know, yeah. it, they're not the gossip site. Gawker is supposed to be the gossip site, anyway. That's it.
2: Right. I, I was going to say that they've left it uh, in the hands of whatever Jezebel picks up, and whatever defamer drops. And to some extent, whatever's left of morning after, that kind of came and went. And the guy who wrote it came and went, and Jacob Clifton—that uh, was real abrupt, also. Um, so, I, and and I—I've been, frankly, um, making somewhat disparaging remarks about the 500 Days series because I don't care, and I'd rather hear about people that are, you know, actually accomplished than, you know. D-level celebrities.
1: No, I'm so guilty of being on that 500 days post. I really can't say anything. Oh, yeah. But I, because <laughs> I was banned on the main page, so I'm gonna comment all over to Famer.
3: Right, right. Yeah.
1: Now, I, I feel like some some people
3: appre- apparently appreciate the 500 days post. We are being totally I'm...
1: facetious. I absolutely believe nobody really appreciates it. We're totally bullshitting. <laughs> I suggest antagonizing the other commenters who are like, Why is this post here? <laughs> <laughs> I just right on past Oh, P.S. I'm sorry to any 500 Days listeners. I really enjoy the time with you guys, but come on. It's not. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, really quick, I guess back to the... T- what do you guys think Jordan Sargent is? Now, I mean, he has been radio silent since, since the post went up on Thursday.
2: Um, oh, Jerry uh, first? In one of the articles I read, and... I, I honestly don't remember if it was the LA Times op-ed today, or um, there was a, a piece in New York Magazine. One of them, the Wonkette piece. One of them mentioned that first of all, he's only 26, and I think was sort of emotionally unprepared for what was a, a complete, you know, a, a blistering attack on him from the, the, the public and I think he's taking some time off to collect himself and try and steal himself to come back to work. And I understand that because it's tough on a young person to take that kind of a public beating, especially when, to those of us on the outside who look at the, the whole business, we know that, in fact, nothing that a writer writes is going into press, so to speak, Unless the editor says, okay. So he was assigned this. He did what he did. I I didn't like it. I, I felt like they were all complicit and that he was taking a little too much relish in how he wrote it. But that said, it was the editor's job to decide whether or not this was A, publishable, and B, poss- possibly a, 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 an exposure to litigation. Oh, I have a question for and both you guys. So um, yeah.
0: And I
1: guess I'll start with Gravy first. Sorry, Jerry. Um, mm-hmm. It is it, okay. I think it's my opinion that I think Jordan Sargent and then Hamilton probably get the most shit, like the worst comments in terms of sanctimony. There mm-hmm. always people are always telling them they are the worst writers. But do you think that if it hadn't the post hadn't been written by Jordan and let's say it's written instead by J.K. Trotter? would it have been received a little differently? I mean, Jordan has a lot of hate pre this article.
3: Yeah. Um, I would hope that. <laughs> uh, did you read uh, Rich Rich's um, article today?
1: Yeah, it was really good.
3: I think that another, I think the, the way that he described, um, how he'd do that article would be more in keeping with what I would expect a Gawker article to, to be like. Like, look at this crazy conspiracy you know, conspiracy theorist um, guy trying to blackmail this person that we don't
1: name. Yeah, I thought it was a great angle.
3: Yeah, I don't. I, I feel like that would have been more in line with what I'd expect Gawker to do um I, I that would have been the adult just, but
2: the adult way to cover it
3: right I, I personally i feel like jordan is the least culpable of everyone there he is young he is you know he's he, he he's the one that's assigned an article and there's supposed to be a backstop for him hmm. somebody to turn hmm. him around and say no you know the focus of the article needs to be this and for him to go back and rewrite it if if need be you know there was a lot of work put into researching the that that article i mean they found the family home <laughs> yeah
1: I, see I know they really <laughs>
2: did a lot of oh my
3: God, yeah. family, so you know they they obviously worked for a while on it so yeah. it, it wasn't actually, they had well, that we,
1: kind of money to do research
3: yeah. <laughs> i mean it's it, you know i mean i i it probably wasn't that hard, but it was—they—they—it wasn't something that was tossed off in ten minutes, you know.
1: Fair point.
2: Well, I, I, I got the sense from the original article that a lot of that information had already been fed to them by the grifter porn star person, because yeah. he had already done that research in order to figure out who he was dealing with. Mm-hmm. That's true. Right. Yeah. So, wouldn't he have
1: known that that <laughs> gay porn star guy was a little bit unhinged? Like, if they well, had done the research and he saw didn't his. Didn't do his research. research. So, do you guys think that we've? Well, maybe he
2: didn't know that part of it. I don't know.
1: If he didn't, I, that's kind of we'll on know. him. We'll never know. We'll never know. I don't know. Do you guys... I? I can't. I mean, I guess I can't wait for Jordan's first article to go up after this, just to see the comment section.
2: I, I yeah. will say this, this one, one interesting thing. And I don't.
1: Oh, sorry. Um, can we do Jerry first and then Gravy, I'll get to you.
2: Okay. Uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, you know, this, this is real quick. The, the one, the Jordan is the only writer over there. Whoever um, responded to me in a, in a, um, in a discussion thread with a little, why don't you just stop reading Gawker? And I thought, really? really? Because I don't usually say things that are that provocative. And for some reason, he just gave me that. And I just sort of brushed it off like, well, somebody's in a mood this morning. And that was about two months ago. And I thought, what an odd thing. Because generally speaking, I've got very good rapport with, all the other writers. So, but again, I, I feel for him because I think he's young and, and really, the house fell down on him.
3: Gravy. Yeah, I, I I've kind of had the same kind of interaction with Jordan. I've had both positive and negative, um, where we've gone back and forth, and a couple of times I feel like I, I can't remember the the circumstances. I feel like he kind of took my whatever my comment or criticism to heart and um, you know it wasn't anything that was uh, you know negative or anything like that but just um, I, so I, I kind of it, he's been with Gawker for, for what two years now he should have built up a bit of a callus but it is you know this was a lot <laughs> to kind of deal with this week and I, I, I don't you know he hasn't been at the forefront of them of this so I hope that he's just kind of laying low until um until something is done hopefully they'll make a you know a nice big announcement of oh hey this is the policy we came up with we all feel better now and this is what we'll try to adhere to in the future whatever and he can you know feel a little bit safer uh and emerging
1: you don't yes yeah, think- a little bit I guess cowardly since i mean max has taken a stand nick has taken a stand the, um, and jordan has, has said nothing no statement no
3: nothing. i i don't think so for a 26 year old kid uh 27
2: I, i'm with gravy i'm with gravy there no it, it, I, cowardly is a very strong word to use he's just young and uh this is probably the worst knock he's ever had in his life professionally yeah.
3: And it, I mean, really, he, he didn't do, he did his job,
1: mm-hmm. you know?
3: He did his assignment, he researched it. No one has said that what he wrote was factually incorrect. Right. It just should never have been written, and it should never have been published, and that's not, that. neither of those were her, his calls to make.
1: That's fair enough. Um, is somebody, like, Getting water or something?
2: <laughs> oh, I'm just like in bathroom. I shut the I the air conditioner. No, 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 no. I shut the air conditioner off so that I have the windy background noise, and I'm roasting. So I just poured <laughs> some iced tea. Sorry.
1: <laughs> oh man, how do you guys feel about Adam Weinstein's departure? I kind of was. I mean, not to be dramatic, but it was. <laughs> it was kind of sad. It was disheartening. Jerry,
2: I uh, I, I was. Appalled. And at, at, in, in, at some time in June, mid June, um, when instead of seeing at least a, a daily or, you know, maybe every second or third day entry from Adam, they started to disappear, and then there'd be like maybe one a week, and then they were gone. Right. And I thought, what on earth is going on? Maybe he's taking a vacation. That, you know, it's that time of year. And then- out and he posted his story in the the, the tumblr piece um I was I, I was I was so angry about this because I really felt honestly that Adam was the strongest journalist they had working a specific beat you know on, on foreign affairs and military and all of that and he's got the background and he really did his work and it led to really interesting discussions about just as we were saying before the hard news part part side of conquer and I, i i was really upset but i've ended up actually corresponding with him a bit in the last few days and you know there's a, a remarkable number of people writing in, bring back Adam, bring back Adam, because it was Max who let Adam go. So we'll see what happens. Because truthfully, if they don't bring back Adam immediately, somebody's going to pick him up because he's too good to not get picked up by a uh, for a proper job.
1: Oh, sorry, you're breaking up just a tiny bit. Um, no, I I agree. Gravy, do you, a new question for Gravy. I guess still on Adam. How would you feel about Adam returning, but more importantly, how would you feel about Adam returning as an editor?
3: Um, I actually think, I don't know, you know, we we can only judge these writers through what they write. Um, We don't know what their management skills are, and... (laughs) Uh, so you know you don't know what that would be like on a day to day plus he doesn't live in New York so it may be difficult for him to be an editor and hand out assignments and make those kinds of um, relationships and build trust and that kind of thing um, with him being off site so it may be difficult in terms of journalistic judgment I think he has I don't know. I he's he's had his own missteps. Um, I'm I'm thinking of the post that he wrote last year of, um, oh, what was the the woman's name? Uh, Killer Marti- Martini's. Do you remember when she wrote the post about being poor, what it's like to be in poverty, and. I, this actually might have been the year before last, and they, the Gawker main paged it, and Gawker it was picked up by Huffington Post. The main paged it. Like, oh. she had written it on. Oh. I think she'd written it on Groupthink, and um, Gawker shared it on the main page, and other publications around the country picked it up. And from there, it received a lot of criticism because, you know, some some people reading it, um, you know, they, they discovered that she currently wasn't poor, and you know, she'd been given a house, all this other stuff. That she wasn't like a a a person. She she was a middle class person who sometimes struggled with money, but she was not oh, really
1: I remember this. Yes. <laughs> You're right. Right.
3: So. <laughs> You know, she didn't misrepresent herself or anything, but people took it that way. And Adam wrote this really scathing post, uh, basically discrediting her, and people just found it really ugly. You know, that I, he did that one, and he actually had another post. He did a post that was kind of um, similar to the post that we, that is the topic of our discussion. It's just that the person in question was uh, more of a public figure but not a celebrity by any
2: stretch of the imagination. Uh, John Schindler um, he's a a uh, national security
3: and intelligence uh, blogger uh-huh. who you know he's on Twitter a lot and he has uh, quite a big following but he appear on like msn Maybe not maybe not MSNBC, but NBC and CNN and some other places talking about uh, the NSA after the Snowden revelations. And he, you know, he had a lot of detractors because, um, you know, a lot of people were pro. They they, you know, were su- supported what Snowden did, and he was definitely not a Snowden supporter. So it was a it was like Schadenfreude to have this guy um, he hit um, um to post a, a story about this guy who who was trying to have an affair with this young person that he'd met on I think he met her on Twitter I don't know they might have met him in real life but he sent her these nude photos at some point she got mad at him and then sent them to somebody I don't know if it was. I don't know if Gotham was the place that she took, was, was where she took the talk to or it was somebody else, but Adam was the one who wrote the, the story about it. So, yeah, I don't know. Um, he can, I enjoy his writing a lot. I think he is way better <laughs> than the current national security, uh, quote unquote, expert that they have.
2: Um there you go. I, yeah.
1: Huh? Jerry there you go. just uh, said his name. He just like specifically oh, yeah. called it out. Yeah, and
3: uh, yeah, I think I think he's like just leaps and bounds better than him and I, I think it would be great if they hired him back as a writer. I don't know about an editor. I don't know if that would work.
1: No, I mean I was only asking I, I secretly wish none of the writers would become editors. Just stay do what you're great
2: yeah. at. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. like how about Katie writing again?
1: Yeah, or, I want Katie to write again, absolutely. Like, I feel like, I mean, JK Trotter, uh, JK Trotter, Taylor, Katie, I mean, Max, they've all gone into these editorial positions. I really wish, I really uh-huh. miss their writing, so I'll say.
3: Yeah, I, I almost feel like they
1: need a, a more experienced editor, like a
3: solid journalistic, you know, maybe not New York Times, but kind of along those lines that they maybe not New York Times, but someone that it that, that has had a serious editing position for a more serious publication. Not so serious that they they removed the voice of Gawker and you know the fun, the humor, the irreverence, the you know the edginess,
2: um they they can appreciate that side of it as well as give a bit more direction and substance to uh the writers. Yeah I would I would think in this economy that there's there's plenty of experienced um editors that yeah. could be could be had, you know, that would allow the writers to do what they do best.
1: Has the editor spot been filled yet, Egacker?
2: The editor-in-chief? No.
1: No, I haven't heard anything yet. Interesting. Um, you guys, I might have to wrap this call up soon because Jerry has exciting plans for the evening. But, oh. um, uh-huh. um, well, I don't know. Thanks for having this call with me, guys. I wish there was, like, a lot more things that I feel like we could talk about and, and flesh out. Um, this hour went by really fast. Did you guys have fun?
2: It sure did. Yeah.
1: Yes. are you, Gravy? Oh. Hello? She said no. No, no. Okay. <laughs> I'm
3: sorry. <laughs> this is the worst hour I've spent. <laughs> no, this is great. I
1: enjoyed it. Do you guys so final question? Uh, we'll do Jerry first and then Gravy. Are you guys gonna stay at the commentariat with the commentariat, I mean? any plans to flounce? Yes. No.
2: Because... Um, As I was really eager to say all along, I think that Gawker's strength is the commentary, and the 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 level of discourse is so far superior to most places on the. And in spite of all we've been through in the last few years with the you know redesigns of Kinja over and over again and all that the people who've stuck it out each other and respect each other. And so there's there's fun conversation. So whether it's you know providing a, a link to an outside source that's really worthwhile for, or just making a snarky comment worthy of Eve Arden in an old movie, it's it's enjoyable and there's a, an informed group of people and I'm not running anywhere so fast. Gravy? Oh, I would agree wholeheartedly with
1: Jerry.
3: Um, I feel like, um, I wonder if, I sometimes wonder if the writers and Benton know just how much we enjoy coming to Gawker, just for, definitely for each other as uh, commenters, because I think that is a unique strength that Gawker has. Um, as much as they try to get rid of us with all the changes and the complaints that and we all read bad <laughs> all the bad-mouthing that we get from, from them, we, we stick around because we really do enjoy it there and um i I don't think they really realize how much we root for them we want gawker to to succeed we want to be there when they you know as they grow and see the changes we don't you know we don't nobody none of the regulars are rooting for gawkers downfall um and i've never seen anyone i don't remember any Regular ever advocating for a writer or editor, well, maybe editor, but no no writer to be fired for something that is controversial or anything like that. I think for the most part we give our criticism, but we give it with um with love and interest. Like we are we're really invested. So you know as invested as you can be in internet communities with people
1: that you don't really really know. True. I guess it's with you two though, I feel it's, I haven't really seen comments from you guys that are like, how dare you gawker? You know, Um, you guys, I feel your comments have been more even tempered and I don't know. It's really, I think that really contributes to, you know, the conversation, if we can even have one. Uh,
3: Like I said, it, it it is more a sense of disappointment than outrage. Um, the only outrage that I have is that you know that, that some of the the staff continue to gloss over the, the fact that they've had a real impact on on a family. You know, they, they don't seem to really subjectively understand that.
1: Agreed. Uh, any final any final thoughts or words, Jerry?
2: Oh, no, okay. I, I, I think this has just been terrific, and I'm glad to have had this conversation.
1: Me too, I hope you guys come and back. will see uh, you both on Gawker. I hope you guys come <laughs> back for this podcast, I mean, the podcast for interviewing Gawker commenters can't really happen if there are no more Gawker commenters, so. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I would love to interview you guys again. Let solos. me know. So uh, yeah, I'll definitely keep in contact. Sure. Okay, you guys, see you on the main page. <laughs> All right, bye, everybody.
2: See ya. Bye. Bye-bye. Thank
1: you. Thank you.